Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Are you ready to get in the Word today? Come on, somebody say, I'm ready. Come on, look at somebody and say, get ready. Come on, do your best not to touch somebody, but say, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Say this after me. Say, I'm here, not because I have to be, but because I want to be. Say, it's not a me thing. It's not a you thing. It's a Jesus thing. Say, I'm not perfect, but I serve the one who is. Say, I love you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. Help me not to leave like I came in Jesus' name. Now, if you believe that, put your 10-string instrument together today. Come on, man. We got a handful of people in this studio, but it sounds like multitudes. I believe they're shouting me down in here. I love it. I love it. I love it. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to the, turn to the book of Psalms. And uh, of all the Psalms, this is perhaps my favorite. I want to teach you today out of the 23rd Psalm. And as you're turning there, let me give you just a quick roadmap of what's to come. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we are just two weeks away from Easter. We are two weeks out from Easter. And so we are making preparations to make the very best of that experience for you and for your family. And we need your help. I just, I think the gospel is going to go forward in a powerful way over the next couple of weeks. And uh, so I want you to check your email. We're going to be sending you some graphics that you can post. Many of you are spending a lot of time on social media. Well, man, let's use it for the kingdom. And so, man, let's get the word out that HPC is still having church at Easter, even though it's in a different way. And so you can invite family and friends to join with you. We'll be giving you additional service times and viewing times so they can tune in. So that's in two weeks. But next week, everybody say next week. Next week week is Palm Sunday, okay? And so I'm so excited that as a church on Palm Sunday, we're going to receive communion together. Okay, so I want to give you a heads up so that you can make preparations when you gather with your family or your friends next week uh, that you're prepared, that you got your crackers or you got your bread or get some juice, get some elements together. And I think it's going to be a powerful time, a very intimate, sacred time for us as we reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus. Maybe for some of you, this is the first time you've ever done family communion. It'll be very simple, uh, practical. We'll walk you through it. But I think it'll be a great way for you to worship together. I just sense that even in these moments, God's drawing our families together, you know. And so I know we talk about social isolation, but man, there is something of of the kingdom that is happening that is pulling community together. And so next Sunday on Palm Sunday, we'll worship and we'll receive communion together as a family. Amen. Psalm 23. Psalm 23. I've got a few simple thoughts out of this famous psalm. And what I want to do, I want to break it down verse by verse, almost phrase by phrase at a time. I've got five main ideas that I want to give you in the 23rd Psalm. Read with me. The Bible says this, the Lord is my shepherd. Interesting. The Lord is my shepherd. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down this first thought, write down the word perspective. Okay. Interesting here how the psalmist David, he compares the Lord to a shepherd. Now, David is probably one of the most famous kings in all of Israel. We, we know that he was a, a glorious king. 
we understand that he was a mighty warrior. But I wonder if we realize that in his early days, he was just a simple shepherd. That, that's how he got started. You know, many scholars think that, that David, when he penned these words of this famous psalm, that he was older in life and he was reflecting. He was looking back. You know, and I think it's important that we take the time that we have to reflect. We have additional time. Sometimes we move, move forward so fast and furious, but things have slowed down a little bit, and we need to reflect where we came from. And David is looking back at where he came from. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. David knew something about the job description of a shepherd. What does a shepherd do? A shepherd cares for sheep. A, a shepherd will lead. A shepherd will feed, a shepherd will guide and guard, will protect and direct. These are the things that a shepherd would do. And so David, in his relationship with God, sees the Lord as his shepherd. He's basically saying this, just as I have cared for my father's sheep, I know that God cares for me. And I want you to know this. Church, hear me. God cares about you. He sees you. He's feeding you. He's nurturing you. He's directing you, protecting you. The Lord is my shepherd. David is saying, just as I have cared for the sheep of my father, I know that God is caring for me. God cares for you. That just jumped off the page. The Lord is my shepherd. What great perspective. Now, notice what he says. The Lord is my shepherd. Somebody say my. my. Okay, and I want you to write that word down. Okay, that's just a very small two-letter word. But I did a little study on that. Now, I, I'm not an English major. Um, I don't have a, a degree in English. I don't speak well all the time. In fact, I'm a computer science guy, but I Googled some things about this word, my. And I think, if I have my information correct, that my is a pronoun, okay? My is not just a pronoun, but it's a personal pronoun. But it's not just a personal pronoun, it's a personal possessive pronoun pronoun. David is saying, hey, this shepherd, he's not just any shepherd, but he's my shepherd. Listen, we don't just serve a God or some God. Man, when I'm talking here, I'm talking about my God. I am his and he is mine. I love that word my. You know, I thought about this. Uh, Rachel and I, in our cell phones, we have saved our contacts my, the way that she has me saved in her phone, I am her hunk of hunk of burning love. I mean, literally, if I'm calling her, she's looking down, and it's going to say hunk of hunk of burning love. Now, how many know she ain't sending that to voicemail? <laughs> she's going to pick that up because she knows that's her man. You know how I have her saved in my cell phone? My baby. She's mine. She belongs to me. It's personal. It's possessive. You know, I thought about this ring that I wear on my hand. This ring is symbolic of belonging, and it says responsibility. Every time I look at this ring, I realize the commitment that I've made to my wife. I belong to her. She belongs to me. It's also a sense of responsibility. You know what? I'm going to take care of her. And what David is saying here when he says the Lord is my shepherd, he's understanding belonging and responsibility. God, I know that you love me. I know that you're going to take care of me. I know that I belong to you. Listen to me, church. In this crisis, do not forget who you belong to. 
Don't forget that he is your God. He's not just the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Guess what? He's my God too. He's a shepherd that cares for his sheep. You know, when you walk through hard times, you begin to learn some things about yourself and you learn some things about the God who cares for you. And I think in this, this last several weeks, God has been educating us. But you know, there's a difference between having a knowledge about God and an experience with God. You see, for us, we're not just trying to give you knowledge about God. We want to create an experience that you can have with God. And how many of you know there's a big difference? I just don't want to grow in my education. I want to grow in my experience. You see, a change of pace plus a change of place will create a change of perspective. And this is all about perspective here. David is looking back after all of his heroics on the battlefield, his leadership as a king. He's saying, you know what? I remember the sheep field. And guess who God is to me? He is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. That's great perspective. Now, look at what it says in the last half of that verse. He says, and because he's my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh, now this is good. Sid, I'm about to run all over this place right now. Not only does he give us perspective, but watch this. Number two, he gives us provision. Everybody say provision. Because God is our shepherd, he's going to supply everything that we need. There is no want. There is no lack. Nothing broken. Nothing missing. We are complete in Jesus. You see, when God is your shepherd, you have everything you need. How many know it's not about stuff? Man, if we've got Jesus, we got all we need. Right. Sometimes we don't realize that God is all we need until he's all we have. Come on, holler at me. You see, the Lord is my shepherd. It's personal. It's possessive. There's a sense of belonging, and I know that he's going to take care of all my needs. There is no lack. You know, and in fact, this is really twofold. This is, uh, this is a declaration, first of all, but then this is also a decision. When he says, I shall not want, he's making a declaration that says, all my needs are supplied by this good shepherd. Everything that I have need of, I can trust the shepherd to supply. That's the declaration. Some of you need to be, you need to start declaring that. You know, again, I realize the financial pressure that a lot of us are under and the economy is just going crazy. and, And this is a new normal for many of us. But you need to speak to yourself. God will. He's going to supply all of my needs. Make that declaration. But then also make a decision. Okay, here's the second part of that. Not only is it a declaration that's saying, God, you're going to meet my needs. But the decision is this. I decide not to desire anything more than what God gives. I'm not going to place my desires above the things that God gives me. Now, I realized during this pandemic, there's a progression. And I was talking to some of the, some of the guys, some of our businessmen in the church this week. And it's just interesting to see how, you know, over the last several weeks, how things have just progressed. But initially, the concern was physical. There was this sickness and nobody knew exactly how it spread. It was just highly contagious. And so everybody was concerned about the, the physical implications of this sickness. But then it moved from physical to emotional. 
well. Now all of a sudden we've got restrictions. We have limitations. Things are beginning to to shut down in areas. We're staying in homes. We're practicing safe distances. So it went from physical to emotional. Well, now the thing is financial. You know, when you have businesses laying people off, I talked to a guy this week. He said, I, I had to lay off my entire sales department. I had to shut down every store I owned in Louisiana. You know, some guy had a, a friend of mine said I had to lay off 125 employees. You know, now you're feeling the pressure and the squeeze of the, of the, the financial implications of this virus. And, you know, my thought was this. If we trusted God when our doors were open, we got to trust him when the doors are closed. You know, the truth is this. Hey, all the business guys, I want you to hear this. Man, it wasn't you making it happen when business was booming. It was God through you. You weren't in control doing all of that stuff. God was sovereignly blessing you and watching over you. So, you know, if we trusted God then, we got to trust him now that the Lord, our good shepherd, is going to supply all of our needs. I, I thought about in 1 Kings chapter 17, the story of the prophet Elijah. The Bible says that in this time, there was a famine and there was a severe drought. And God told Elijah, he said, Elijah, I want you to go down to the brook called Cherith. And at that brook, I'm going to take care of you. In fact, the Bible says that Elijah was fed by ravens. Can you imagine that? A, a, a bird bringing your Chick-fil-A every day. Come on, somebody. Oh, wait, wait, you forgot the Polynesian sauce. You know, I mean, these birds would feed, would bring food to Elijah. And then right there at the brook, he would drink. He had all the meal, all the provision, all the resource that he needed. But watch this. The Bible says one day, because of the drought, that brook dried up. Some of you feel like, hey, your business resource is drying up. I mean, li liquidity is the deal. Cash is king, and, man, everybody's trying to be in position to take care uh, of their employees and, and, and guard their future. Elijah's brook dried up. And you know what God told him? I want you to go into that village, and there's a widow woman, and she's going to supply what you need. Now, now what, 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 here's my question. Who was Elijah's source? Was it the ravens? Was it the brook? Was it the widow? It was none of them. Elijah's source was God himself. You see, listen, your job is not your source. Your paycheck is not your source. Your 401K that's now a 201K is not your source. It has to be the Lord. Come on, help me now. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in lack. Uh, Jesus told us, he said, when you pray, pray this way. He says, give us this day our daily bread. You know, I'm just, I'm convinced. Hear me, church. I'm convinced that God will give you daily what you need to sustain you. I, I can't worry about tomorrow. Now, I got to be wise. I got to plan. I got to prepare. But I can't worry about tomorrow. I got to say, Lord, give me this day my daily bread. Uh, I heard this story a, a while ago. I thought it was interesting. A lady, she was a farmer, but she was a poor farmer, and her, her farm was about to go under. So she was in a bad place financially, but she was a faithful worshiper, and she, she trusted God. And so the church that she was a part of was going through a building program, and so she had made a financial commitment to this building program. 
and she had made a pledge that she was going to give, but now she was in a different financial position. All this lady had was one mama pig who had just given birth to 10 little piglets. Come on, 10 little piggies. This little piggy, well, I guess one went to the market. I don't know. All she had was a mama pig with 10 little piglets. Well, she'd made this commitment to her church that she was going to give. And, and so she got home, and when she got home, she realized that, ma- that mama pig had passed away. And when that mama pig died, she felt like all of her hopes had died with it. But she also had a dog who had just given birth to 10 little puppies, okay? One day, crazy, but true story. One day, as that mama was nursing her little puppies, along came these 10 little pigs. And that mama rolled over, and those little piglets, they started nursing on the dog. I know it's crazy. This woman was like about to lose her mind. I've never seen anything like this before in my life. So that dog would not only nurse her puppies, but then nurse those 10 little piglets. So all over the yard, you'd see this mama dog, these 10 little puppies, followed by 10 little piglets. Well, the story had gotten out of this unusual occurrence, and a major magazine found out about it, called this woman up and said, listen, we want to write about this story. And they offered her a huge sum of money to do it. Guess what? She had enough money to give to the church, to pay off all of her debts, and to save her farm. You know, I don't know how God is going to do it, but I promise you this, you will not be in lack because you have a shepherd that's caring for you. Come on, do you believe that? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Look at verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside the still waters. Not only is this about perspective, not only is this about provision, but this psalm is about peace. Peace. Oh, this is so good. Notice the language that David uses here. He makes me to lie down. God's making us be still. Have you ever had a hard time being still? Do you remember that as a kid? Some of you are having a hard time being still as an adult. I mean, you're just getting, I got to go. I got to do something. I got to get out of here. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time I heard my mama say, boy, be still. Boy, be still. And in fact, I was thinking about the early days. I went to a small country church. My dad was the worship leader at our little church, and he would sit on the platform. And I was, when I was young, I was so fidgety. I know you find that hard to believe. Uh, but, man, I just always I move and talk, and I always had energy. And I remember my dad from the stage would look down at me, and he would, I can't do it, but he would raise one eyebrow. And when that eyebrow went up, I knew I was in trouble. Dad was saying, boy, you better be still. Isn't it interesting how, you know, when our kids are small, the first two years of their life, we teach them to walk and talk. And then the next 16 years, we're telling them to sit down and be quiet. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. You know, we're in a season where things have slowed down. You know, I know there are restrictions, and many of us are at home, and, man, we find ourselves in a different season. Could this be God making us to lie down in green pastures? Could this be a way where God is is bringing us to still waters? You know, we, we get on this rat race of life. You know, we do. We're, we're so fast and so furious and so busy and trying to accomplish a whole lot. Maybe God is saying, slow down. I want to bring peace to your soul. Right. 
you know, this past Wednesday uh, for our worship night. Oh, it was so good. Chris tapped. It was so good. Sid, I, we were blessed with some amazing, just gifted, anointed worship leaders. And I watched from my laptop. I was sitting in the kitchen, and I was participating in that moment, and it just brought me to tears. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm literally I'm broke down just crying because I sensed the heavenly host surrounding me in my kitchen. And I just felt the peace of Jesus come over me. And, you know, I needed that. I mean, sometimes I can't turn my brain off. It's just so busy. But, man, I felt a calm come over me. Now, listen, what's interesting is I didn't have any answers, but I had peace. Sometimes we think we need answers. When is this going to be over? What's the next announcement? Or, man, how long is this going to last? And we think answers are going to give us what we need. Listen, you can have all the answers and still have no peace. If you have peace, guess what? You've surrendered the answer to the one who holds it. And right there in my kitchen, I just felt the peace of Jesus coming over me. And here's what I felt God begin to download in my spirit. I went back to to the story of, of Exodus whenever God was about to bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And that first Passover night, I want you to hear this. This is fascinating. That first Passover night, there was chaos and confusion in the camp of the Egyptians. I mean, there was craziness, all kinds. I mean, it was wild and just totally upside down. But did you know those Hebrews, they were in perfect peace. In fact, the Bible says this in Exodus eleven seven. but among the Israelites, it will be so peaceful. Come on, somebody say peaceful. peaceful. It's going to be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. I mean, it was just so quiet in the camp of God's people. You couldn't even hear a dog barking. The Egyptians are just, their world is turned upside down. I mean, there's just confusion all around. But God's people, watch what it says here. It says they, they, they didn't even hear a dog bark. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. You see, my prayer for us is, as God's people, that we wouldn't live in pieces but we would be marked by peace. God hasn't created you to live in pieces. He wants you to be marked by the peace and the presence of Jesus. It's like the storm can be all around you, but it doesn't have to be inside of you. You know, I remember when the disciples were in that boat and, man, that that storm came up out of nowhere and they were about to lose their minds. And yet Jesus was asleep in the middle of the boat. And they're like, Lord, don't you care? How in the world can you sleep through this? And yet they didn't realize that the Prince of Peace was right there with them in their boat. The storm may be all around you, but don't let that storm get inside of you. You see, listen, peace is not the absence of conflict. Peace is the presence of Jesus. And as long as Jesus is in your boat, come on, somebody. Man, if you got Jesus in your boat, you can walk in peace. Uh, He says that he'll make me to lie down in green pastures. He'll lead me beside still waters. Listen, get out of that bunker of fear. Don't be hunkered down in that bunker of fear. Don't let fear become more contagious than the virus itself. Man, we are a people that have been marked by the peace of God. I love what A.W. Tozer said. He says, a scared world needs a fearless church. Oh, isn't that good? Man, there's a lot of fear in this world. This is an opportunity for the church to walk in 
courage because we're marked with peace. The Lord is my shepherd. That's perspective. I shall not want. That's provision. He makes me to lie down and he leads me. This is about the peace of God. Look at what it says here next. Verse 4. This is a turning point. Check this out. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. I want you to write this down. Number four, this is about presence. This is about the presence of God Almighty. Even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, I want you to see the first three verses and then how this verse four is distinguished. Okay? The first three verses were talking about God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me. We're talking about God in the first three verses, but in verse four, we're talking to God. Why am I not afraid in the valley of the shadow of death? Because, Lord, you are with me. Do you see how God is with us in that valley? We don't just talk about God in the valley. We can talk to God in the valley because he's right there with us. Now, notice it says the valley of the shadow of death. Somebody say shadow. Shadow. Now, listen, you can't have a shadow unless there's light coming from somewhere. The sun's got to be shining in order for there to be a shadow. And I know that it may be dark for many of us, and it feels like a shadow has been cast over our family, over our, our, our business, over our future, even over the church. Listen to me, church. The sun is shining. If there's a shadow, that means the sun. Light is coming from somewhere, and we will not be afraid because he's with us. Listen, don't interpret the presence of your pain as the absence of your God. Just because pain is present doesn't mean that God is absent. In fact, quite the opposite. Even in the midst of our pain, when we're walking through the valley. Now, I've got good news and bad news about the valley. Okay, you ready? The bad news is this. How many want to hear the bad news first? Let's get the bad news over. The bad news is this. You're going to go through some valleys. But the good news is this. You'll never go through a valley alone. He is with us. Lord, you're with me. You're walking with me. I'm so thankful that as God's people, not only are we marked by peace, but we are guaranteed his presence. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You may be living in isolation, but God is a very present help in our time of need. Come on, can somebody say amen? I think somebody needs to stop and take a praise break right here in your living room. Come on. (laughs) oh man got me all fired up in here today bless God you know I was thinking about this uh, several years ago when when Trevor was really small um, one night he was sleeping in bed with us try not to make a practice of that but man that boy's like he's he's I mean knees and feet all in my back elbows upside my head he was just he was sleeping in our bed that night and I remember in the middle of the night Trevor began to talk in his sleep Okay, woke me up, and he's talking. You know what he said? Here's what he said. He couldn't have been but four, five, six years old at best. I don't know, just a small little runt. And he said this. He said in the middle of, his, his, uh, the, middle of the night and talking in his sleep, he said this. Blue 42, blue 42, down, set, hut. 
Listen, y'all. Hey, I was so proud. I was so proud. I had to wake Rachel up and be like, baby, did you hear what he just said? Did you hear that? Come on, boy, do it again. And he didn't do it again. He just said it one time. But he was given the quarterback count. Blue 42, blue 42, down, set, hot. I'm like, man, that's my tiger right there, man. That's that next Joe Burrow. What's up? And I thought about why in the world? I don't know what he was dreaming about. He was in a game doing something, and he was calling the play. I thought, why in the world would he say that? Because the truth is this. He said that 10,000 times in his conscious. So it came out in his subconscious. Now listen, if we'll begin to declare some things in our conscious, it will come out in our crisis. You know, it'll come out when, when the pressure's on. Man, if you declare, God, you are with me. Lord, I know that you are for me. I may feel lonely, but God, I know I'm never alone. Even in this valley, it may be dark, but the sun is shining. And God, you're walking with me. This is his presence. Come on, are you receiving this today? Oh, man, what great perspective. The Lord is my shepherd. That's perspective. I shall not want that's his provision. He leads me beside still waters. Man, he, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. That's the peace of Jesus. He's walking with me through this valley. That's his presence. Now look at what it says here. Verse 4, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil so that my cup runs over. Here's where I want to, I want you to write this word down, and this is important. Number five, write down the word prosperity. Prosperity. David here recognizes that even in the midst of his enemies, God has prepared a table of blessing in front of him. And out of that anointing, he anoints my head with oil, there was a cup that began to overflow. You see, I was reading this this week. And you know, Sid, I thought, I don't want to just barely get by. You know, in all of this, sometimes we can, you know, embrace this survival mentality. Oh, if I can just get through. Man, I'm not just barely getting by. I want to live a life where my cup is running over. I'm not just trying, oh, if we could, Rachel, kids, oh, dear God, if we can just make it through this. Oh, what's going to happen to the church? And Oh, I'm just not sure. Man, I'm not just trying to survive. I'm telling you this. I feel in my own soul that on the other side of this, I'm going to be better. On the other side of this, I'm going to be stronger. On the other side of this, I'm going to be wiser. You know what? There's got to be something that God anoints the church with in the midst of hard times that we don't just get by, but, man, our cup is running over. Man, it's flowing. There's got to be a flow of God's Spirit within His people. You know, and so I, I, I want to pump the brakes for some of you. No, no, no. We're not just desperate to survive this virus. Listen, we are coming out stronger. God's showing us some things. He's empowering us with his spirit. He's guaranteed his presence. He's applied peace. He says, I want to take care of everything you need. This cup that you have, it's not even big enough to contain what it is that I want to give you. Man, it's just overflowing, overflowing, overflowing. With all this social distancing, I get it. I get it. I get it. But I want what's inside of me to spill over on you. 
I, I want what's inside of this church to spill over on this community. Man, we're, we're, when we're serving, when we're feeding, when we're encouraging in the hospitals, when we're writing thank you notes to doctors, and man, when we're checking on the church and preparing meals, man, you know what we're doing? We're moving forward. There, there's, a, there's a cup that is overflowing. God says, I, I got not just what you need, but I got more than enough. And when God places an anointing upon his people, man, there is an overflowing that happens. I'm going to tell you this. Anything that you need to accomplish the great commission, God will give it to you. Anything that you need to impact your friends and your neighbors for the gospel, God will give it to you. See, this, this is prosperity now. I'm not talking about mansions and cars and boats and hunting camps. I'm talking about the kingdom. God says, I want to prosper my people. Even in the midst of difficulty, of famine, of drought, of pandemic, God's hand upon his people. We're not just struggling to get by. Our cup is running over. Mm. And then he goes on to say this, surely. Come on, somebody say, surely. Mm -mm -mm. He says, I know that I know that I know that I know. David knew this. He knew it. Look at his resume. A warrior, a king, and all that he had accomplished. But what he learned in the sheep field taught him this. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Not just the good days, but the bad days too. The good, the bad, and every day in between. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, I love it. Now, this word follow, what's following you? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me. That word follow in the Hebrew, this is fascinating. I love this. It's not some little trot along behind like a puppy dog will follow its owner. Okay? That's not what we're talking about here. The word follow is to chase, to pursue. The imagery here that David is wanting to give us is not like a puppy dog, you know, on the heels of its owner, but it's a stallion in hot pursuit coming after. Now, what is it that's in hot pursuit of you? The Bible says, I'm convinced that goodness and mercy are following me pursuing me, chasing me down. Now, notice what's amazing here. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads. Guess who's out in front? The shepherd is out in front. But guess who's right on our heels? Goodness and mercy. Oh, I love this picture. We're surrounded by God at every moment, at every time in history. Good days and bad days. Man, every day of my life, goodness and mercy is following me. Listen, I won't be afraid of what's facing me because I know what's following me. I can't determine what's facing me, but I'm convinced of what's following me. Listen, don't be so caught up in what's facing you. Be confident in goodness and mercy, these twin angels of God that pursue us and chase us down. You know what's in front of us? Uncertainty. What's in front of us? It may be unemployment. It may be restricted activity. Um, it, it, it may be um, sickness. I, I don't know. What's in front of us? I can't determine what's in front of me, but I know what's following me. And I know that God goes before me because he's the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, let me ask you this. Let, let, let me close with this. 
You may know the song, but do you know the shepherd? This, everybody quotes the song, but I wonder, do you have a relationship with the shepherd? I am his. He is mine. I belong to him. He's caring for me. He's leading me. He's guiding me. There's peace applied. I know he'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. Lord, I'm, I'm running over because I got a relationship with the shepherd. Do you know him? Do you know him? Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.